Moncrief on News Talk. Time for stuff. Stuff that changed the world. The mobile phone. The internet changed the world. Penicillin, I would have thought. I would say sanitation. It changes everything. We're joined once again by a man who likes a night under the stars. Uh, that being Simon Tierney. Simon, you're. Uh, we are going to talk about the tent today, but what is it about camping that you love? I like being outside, uh, eating outside, sleeping outside. I like the 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 sense that you're very close to nature. I was saying to the team earlier that there's always an opportunity or a, there's a chance that you might not make it through the night. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know I love to live on the yes, edge. Yes, right, so. okay, the prospect of death. Then is it? <laughs> well, my last camping trip, I was saying to our producer the other day that when I woke up, there was a slug stuck to the tent right in front of my face. Okay, well, that's living on the edge. And right? I that said, really God, I'm like Bear grills <laughs> in here, aren't I? <laughs> but yeah, apart from those occasionally disgusting experiences, um, I, I don't know. It's like, okay, let me put it this way, right? I live in a small apartment with a very small balcony. Uh, it's, a, it's a mission to get outside with a baby and all mm. her entourage and everything yeah. that goes with her. Mm. Um, being able to just step outside your tent and just be there, uh, sit down, open a can of beer. Um, it's just, uh, I think it's particularly um, poignant for those of us who, who are living in flats. It's really, really nice. Okay, all right. And is there like a community of people when you, you know, when you and your family go camping that, you know, might you see people you know? Do people wander around judging each other's tents? That kind of it's thing. It's very kid heavy. Like people will be over and they'll be like, ah, the Camper Brighton 5, 1996. Nice model. <laughs> nice model. Stuff like that. Or they'll look at my gas stove and they'll be like, hmm, interesting. Jewel burner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like right. That. Okay. It's very kid heavy. You know? Yeah. Okay. And yeah, it's cooking. Out, so obviously it's cooking as well as part of the whole thing too. Mm. Uh, and yeah. is that does that limit you at all or can you oh yeah can you bake stuff yeah it does limit you i mean the big thing for us was how do we prepare giovanna's um bottle mm. in the evening how do we make up her formula um so we got the gas stove essentially for that reason because we barbecue all our food that we eat um but it's now it's brilliant for heating up her food as well um we invested in a big um cool box which keeps your supplies cold for 48 hours no i think it's three days or something ridiculous so you don't need to have all the electrical hookups and everything like that because those spots cost extra in campsites and if you have a really good cool box it's brilliant Okay, and you you mentioned barbecue, and then so do you bring a barbecue? With we you bring as well? a portable camping barbecue, charcoal only, and uh, we charcoal, we grill everything, um, uh, and have a few beers, and we have two camping chairs, listen to a few tunes, happy days. Right. Okay. Sounds lovely. I yeah. suppose, but it, it, it's weather dependent. Yes, of that's what I was going to say. <laughs> and like, on can it be miserable though if it starts? Because probably sure. everybody. 
uh, would have that memory of being a teenager and going camping and then, you know, you're washed out. And, totally, you know. yeah. yeah. I remember when I was a teenager going camping with school and waking up with a layer of frost on the inside of the fly sheet, <laughs> you know. Uh, you have to choose your times in Ireland. But of course, it's so unpredictable here. Um, we've generally been lucky. The, what generally happens on our trips is that you have a glorious evening the night before and then you wake up and it's raining. And yeah. that's really tricky because you really don't want to be folding up and disassembling a tent when, when it's, it's wet because then you have to take it out in your tiny apartment to dry it. Ah, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Right, so let's talk about the actual tent then. And, mm. and I, I assume, can is there a point at which the, it, people started to say, well, that's a tent in the way we understand it to mean uh, as opposed to a place where just people lived that happened to be made out of some sort of canvas or skin or whatever? Yeah, so it, it brings into the question, what is a tent, as you mm. say, Sean? I mean, we think of it as something very recreational now. Um, unfortunately, it isn't for so many people. Even around Dublin City, there's so many homeless people living in tents and it is their home. And um, one of the earliest tents was similarly a dwelling, the teepee, mm. which is uh, which which has been around for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. The Native Americans, particularly in the central plains of the United States and Canada, used these. And teepee means in the CU language dwelling, mm. um, because it was something that that was your house. But the brilliant thing about it for nomadic communities was that you could disassemble it and bring it to your next location if you were a nomadic hunter. And the teepee is, for me, one of the most beautiful tents um, still in existence today. Yeah, It's so perfectly designed. It was the occupation very much of the female members of Native American communities to build the teepee using um, a number of uh, sticks which were kind of clumped together and crossing over each other at the top and then covered in probably around 20 buffalo hides. So a huge amount of animals were required to make a single teepee tent. Because they, they would have cold winters though as well. They, they very, would, yeah. very cold winters. And the re- actually that's a really good point, Sean, because the, the fantastic thing about the conical design of the teepee is that it deflects snow building up on the side of it. Ah, right. The sides are so steep, water mm. can't gather, it deflects wind. It's a brilliant piece of engineering really. Right, okay. Now, similarly, now already someone's texting, what's the brand of Coolbox you take on those camping trips? I need one of those. Uh, uh, Igloo. Brilliant brand. It's called Igloo, (laughs) Neve. There you go. Uh, That's the answer to that question. So a yurt. Now, it's it's funny the way things like, you know, this again, it's a... People lived in these, but now, like, you know, it costs you a fortune if, if yeah. there was an electric picnic to stay in one. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yurt is so synonymous with kind of, you know, the high life in Ireland over the last few years. Mm. Glamping culture mm-hmm. and all the rest. But um, a yurt is... Um, it's something that, you know, uh, Central Asian communities have lived in for, for a long time, particularly in the Mongolian steppe, of course. Mm. Um, this incredible landscape. I'd love to go to Mongolia someday. For, but from what I've read is that you've got these grasslands called the steppe, which are treeless and yurts are made with wooden latticework frames. Uh, so uh, it was so where they get it from. <laughs> extremely coveted to, to get a yurt in the first place. Uh, from a market town and they were handed down from generation to generation. 
Um, interestingly, with the yurts, Sean, and I, I would imagine the yurts around country houses in this country, which uh, you know have glamping and all the rest. I doubt they're made like the traditional yurt fabric, but. The way they were done is that it w- didn't use leather at all, which all ancient tents tended to use a different type of leather. Mm. The yurt used wool. And when I realised this, it got me interested in the ancient process of felting. Felting was such an important process for ancient peoples because it meant that you could p- compress wool into something which was really durable. So the way they did it was this. They would take the wool of sheep, yak and goats and they would wet it, thoroughly saturate it and then wrap it around a wooden pole and then wrap that in turn with the leather from that animal really, really tightly. Then they would put it on a rope and drag it behind a galloping horse (laughs) so that it just absolutely smashed against the ground as mm. the horse went and this compressed the wet wool from the yak into this felt material because felting is compression it's about compressing this these fibres into such a matted kind of material wow. that nothing can get through it you'd wonder how they figured out how to do you know let's try attaching it to a galloping horse and see what happens just going to put it out there guys <laughs> I think this could work and it did so like who were they then the first people to start using uh, uh, say you know using a tent as a, a temporary form of accommodation yeah so it's really the Romans who formalised this uh, Sean um, the Roman army of course just so innovative in these sorts of areas. The Contiburnium, which was the smallest unit of the Roman army, um, it consisted of about eight legionaries and they would stay in these tents. They were portable on the back of a mule. Uh, Each Contiburnium would have a mule to carry them. The Contiburnium, they were called, they were kind of mockingly called subpelibus, which means under the skin because they always slept under these little tents. They Hmm. were um, about three metres wide and 1.5 metres high so you couldn't stand up in them. Um, But they were covered with they were treated, the calf skin that they were made out of, were treated with tallow. Tallow is a material that we've come across many times in this series, Sean. It's a kind of a fat from a pig and um, you make candles with it traditionally but it's waterproof. And uh, it Ah. also makes your tent stink, but that's fine. But um, it was used to waterproof uh, uh, the material. They sound, and I've looked at recreations of them, they really remind me of the tents that I used to sleep in when I was a kid, when I was in the Scouts. Mm. Because we used to go camping a lot. And they had these kind of military style tents down in North Tipperary Mm. in the 80s and 90s in the Scouts and we used to go in these and um, it it makes sense because there's such a connection between the Scouts and the history of camping because it's really the it was really uh, what's his name Uh, Robert Baden-Powell who was the founder of the Scouts movement in the early part of the 20th century around 1907-1908 he was the man who really kind of reinterpreted camping from a purely military thing that he himself would have done during the Boer War in South Africa to something that was recreational, which the Scouts ultimately was. But, of course, his philosophy was about using 
um, recreation and camping to teach kids or boys in particular at that time about uh, uh, you know uh, how to be self-sufficient and resourceful and, mm. and all uh, and all that all of that kind of thing. And it was really him that kind of changed the outlook on camping. And it was from that scouts movement kids being introduced to camping that it slowly during the first decades of the 20th century became much more a pursuit associated with family life really yeah now the, the uh, to make tents lighter and yeah. and and uh, retain warmth and keep out you know keep out the moisture and stuff that has that always been a kind of a technological challenge over the years really really challenging sean and it's really extraordinary how they managed to overcome the issues because anyone who's camped in a bad or a cheap tent will know that the biggest challenge with camping with tent technology is how to release condensation from inside of the tent. How Mm. do you release all that human moisture that you're producing inside. Yes, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, not allowing the rain to come in from the other side. It's mm. like you're trying to do the two opposite things at the same time. So there's an incredible man who's still alive. He's rather elderly now, but he's he's a real Swedish hero. Ake uh, Norden is his name. He was an entrepreneur and an adventurer in the early 1960s. And he loved camping, but he was fed up with the experience of either feeling too sweaty or else the rain coming in. So he set about trying to find a solution. And what he came up with is the classic two-fly tent that we know and enjoy nowadays. Mm. So the way he did it was he had a ventilating inner tent which allowed the moisture to be released so it's breathable. Okay. And then outside that was the fly sheet which is completely waterproof. And he called this the thermo um, and he released it in 1965 and that completely changed the world of camping because Uh, It was extremely lightweight to carry and it meant that you didn't get into a sweat box uh, at nighttime or when you woke up in the morning. It was really breathable, but it kept you dry as well. So we can thank the Swedes for that technology. Okay, right. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually just uh, uh, looking at it because Simon tweeted a picture of his own tent. That's a fairly fancy looking tent. Uh, I must say it's very it looks yeah. very comfortable as well very yeah. 21st century as well because your daughter has a, is, is looking at the phone it's yeah like... <laughs> I know <laughs> She's... everybody uses that uh, <laughs> times of uh, extremity and it's funny that like that the uh, Adrian says we bought a trailer tent a few years ago highly recommended uh, and Christine says I've had the best of times in tents and caravans when it's lashing rain something about being inside looking out at the rain there's no middle ground with camping you either love it or loathe it no like or hate here unbridled enthusiasm or utter loathing it forces you to completely slow down a kettle takes ages to boil so you really relish your coffee the simplicity is addictive maybe that's uh, that's what it is yeah Simon fascinating as ever thanks a million Thank for you, coming into us Simon Tierney there Moncrief on News Talk